Good morning. I greet you this morning with the powerful name of Jesus, a name that's above every other name. And one thing that I can count on about our Jesus, our Savior, Jesus, our Redeemer, there's one thing I know about his character, that God loves us, that God is good, and God is faithful. Amen? Amen. Pastor Larry and Sister Tammy are out of town this period of time for a much-needed time of refreshing. So let's wish them well, and let's pray God's blessings on them today. I want to greet our online worshipers this morning. God bless you, and thank you for joining us. I have a word from the Lord this morning. I won't be with you very long, but I have a word from God this morning. And I want to share what he's given me to you. And for, if I had to use a subject this morning, I'm going to use two. So if you want to write it down, it says, we are looking for a church. We are looking for a church. But it's the anointing that makes the difference. Okay, say that with me. We are looking for a church. But it's the anointing that makes the difference. For scripture, I'm going to use Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now, if he has another translation up there, that's okay. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. I want to read it again. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 20, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Amen? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. And God, we just desire that it will fall on good ground. We ask, Lord, the we thank you for the move of your presence and the worship this morning. We thank you for that hymn, the old rugged cross, and what you did for us. And Holy Spirit, we ask this morning that you would speak to the hearts of your people, that you would move, bring conviction, bring deliverance, bring healing. Somebody needs you today, Lord. Don't let anybody leave here the way they came. Bring transformation to them. And Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Today, we have many people that are searching for a great church. And a great church in the minds of many people means that it's a church that has programs and ministries that covers all generations. And for some, a great church means it's an upbeat music ministry with a dynamic worship team. And for some, a great church means having a spacious facility that's attractive and pleasing to the eye. And for many, a great church means having a dynamic preacher that can preach a good message and the congregation of the people outgoing, they're warm and they're friendly. And to some, a great church means that they have a coffee or cafe area where they gather and fellowship and over warm drinks. And 
And if you're like me, you're looking for some of those things in the church. But did you know this morning that God is seeking his great church? The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for his great church. But see, the great church that he's looking for is not one that necessarily has a coffee or cafe or state-of-the-art facilities, state-of-the-art facilities, or enormous worship team with a full-scale choir and orchestra, or a ton of programs, or even a world-renowned preacher. The great church comes not by the works or doing of man, but is brought by the Holy Spirit. It's not a building that God works through. It's people. It's people that God works through. We are that church. There are many beautiful buildings standing throughout the land, and they are absolutely void of the presence of the living God. A congregation that doesn't have the spirit and the presence of the God in its midst, that church is lifeless, that church is powerless, that church is without strength and unable to stand against the attacks of the ungodly influences. It becomes an empty organization that cannot impact people's lives for eternity. As we look at this, the, the world today, as we look at the Christian world today, we got a whole lot of Christian teaching, and we got a whole lot of Christian singing, and yet we still have a world that's in bondage. See, we're succumbing to the world's pressure of what we think, of what the world thinks the church should look like. The church has become so concerned with being uh, seeker-friendly that the gospel is being diluted. The enemy urges us to preach a gospel that's reasonable, but it's not powerful. The enemy urges us to preach a gospel that's exciting, but it has no authority. The world will encourage us as a church to preach a gospel that's flattering, but it's not confrontive. A gospel that makes people feel good, but it doesn't turn that inner man inside out. When the church preaches those types of messages, people can remain in bondages for years. And I want to say to you this morning, if you're looking for a seeker-friendly church, that's okay. If you're looking for a church to be talented, that's okay. But the great church that God is looking for, he's looking for a fire-baptized, devil-stomping, yoke-destroying, church-witnessing church. That's what God is looking for. That's the church he's looking for. God is looking for a church that will speak his name with boldness, a church that will preach and minister the name of Jesus even when it's not popular. He's seeking out servants that will not only preach his name, but they're going to live his name. They're not living a double life. He's looking for a church that will tell a broken world that Jesus Christ is the answer. That Jesus is the redeemer. That he is the world. He can, he can change the world. There's power in that name. There's anointing in that name. People want to be set free. And it's the name of Jesus that will set people free. 
The scripture says that Jesus came to give life abundantly, more abundantly. And people are looking for abundant life, but they're seeking their joy and their peace from a broken world system. Say amen. amen. Only Jesus can give us abundant life. We are the church. God has given us the message of hope. God has anointed us. He has equipped us to do the works, to resist the devil, to know the truth. The Bible says that the word is, thy word is truth. So he's called us to preach the word, to be able to stand, to have fellowship with God. We are anointed. We are the empowered church. God has called us to be the church. And perhaps this morning you're thinking, I keep hearing about this anointing. And it's been said that the anointing breaks the yokes. So this morning, I'm going to ask you the question that many people want to ask. What is the anointing? And how does he work? People sometimes feel that it's the goose pimples that come on their body. But that's just a response of God's experience that you're experiencing, that you're just experiencing God's presence. According to the word of God, every person that's born again and filled with the spirit, God's anointing is in your life. The anointing is the presence of the Lord. It is his power that comes on our lives. In fact, the very word anointing means to rub. The shepherds would put oil and supper on the sheep, and they would rub it on them as a repellent to keep the bugs away. The anointing in our lives keeps the bugs away. It keeps the demons away. So Almighty God anoints us. He rubs his nature in us. He rubs his presence on us, and he sets us apart to do a work for him. The anointing speaks of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit designed to do a work in your life. Now, I'm going to take this a step farther. We believe in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the what? Amen. The Holy Spirit works on behalf of the Godhead to help us. So this morning, I want to demonstrate to you how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And just as God is three in one, he created us in the same manner. The scripture says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it says, and the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, and, you, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved, complete, without blame, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just looking at that scripture, we are three dimension two. We have a spirit, a soul, and a body. So I'm going to use these ladies over here. They're going to help me this morning to explain this message to you. <clears throat> Madison, I want you to come up. And I want you to stand right here. 
Madison is holding the sign that says a body. We have a body, just, just hold it there, we have a body which is in a shell. We walk in the flesh. Our body is not evil. The lust of the flesh is the sin we do in our bodies. The flesh is the ego. It feels empty, but it's always trying to find a way to satisfy itself. Lust is the physical, such as overeating, the appetite we have for drugs, drinking, laziness. The flesh is unsubmissive. It does not want God's authority or to rely on God. The flesh says, I'm going to do it myself, and I'm going to do it my way. Now we have the soul. Emma, come on up. I want you to stand right here. The soul is composed of three parts. The mind, our emotions, and our will. Our soul has the ability to understand hate, love, it makes choices, it grieves, our soul feels, our soul remembers, our, the soul makes decisions. The soul must decide whether it's going to obey the spirit, be united with God, or if it's going to yield to the flesh and to the temptations of the world. Then we have the spirit. I want you to stand beside right here. Our spirit is what makes contact with God. A person's spirit is a higher faculty that only comes alive when a person becomes a Christian. If Christ is in you, although you have a body, your body is alive but is dead to sin. Your spirit is alive because of righteousness. The spirit is a part of us. That is what directly worships and prays to God. The Bible says that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, we're going to have a conversation as if, we're going to have a conversation as if, as if these people are not Christians. We're going to do what we would do if we're not walking in the spirit. So we have, Madison, when I say talk to the soul, I want you just to look at her, okay? All right. So Madison is the flesh. The flesh says to the soul, I'm going to cuss that man out. The soul, look soul, turn to the spirit, and says, we're going to cuss that man out. The spirit is now under subjection of the Holy Spirit, so what does the flesh do? It operates just like it says it's going to do. We're going to cuss the man out. God looks upon the flesh as utterly corrupt. And although God has great power, he cannot transform the flesh unless we are born again and regenerated through the power of the Holy Spirit. God knows the actual condition of the flesh, and he says it's unchangeable. We cannot repair ourselves. So being that God recognizes the impossibility of the flesh to change to improve or better, God does not alter man's flesh. Instead, he gives man a new life in order to help put his flesh to death 
And the way he puts the flesh to death is through salvation. So now we're going to have Anne to come up. I want you to stand beside Teresa. Now, we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says that we've been born again. And that's when God starts to have conversations with the Spirit. Because now you are born again Christian. Now, the flesh says to the soul, I'm going to cuss that man out. The soul says to the spirit, I'm going to cuss that man out. That's what we plan to do. The spirit looks at the Holy Spirit, and they have conversation. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit goes back and tells the soul, no, you're not going to cuss that man out. And the spirit tells the soul, no, you're not going to cuss that man out. And the soul tells the flesh, get back, sit down, and keep your mouth closed. <laughs> the soul has emotions. When God gets in our soul, that's the thing that changes a person. God can change a person when, we, he, when the Holy Spirit began to move in that person's soul. Now, the work of the Holy Spirit is to communicate with the Spirit. When he communicates with the Spirit and we obey, guess what happens to the flesh? The flesh is not in control. Our goal is to bring the flesh under subjection of the Holy Spirit. And this is every day, day by day by day by day. You can't say, okay, well, I achieved this today and I don't have to worry about it tomorrow. No. Every day you got to bring that flesh under subjection. For instance, the flesh says, the flesh says, I'm going to watch an X-rated movie. The soul tells the spirit, I'm going, we're going to watch an X-rated movie. The spirit communicates with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not going to watch the X-rated movie. <laughs> and so the spirit tells the soul, you're not going to watch the X-rated movie. The soul tells the flesh, turn that movie off. You see, we have to work on ourselves. And we have to do that by allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. You got to understand something. Every, every last one of us, we are responsible for keeping and increasing our anointing. And how do we do that? The more we are obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit, the more the anointing will increase in our lives. Let me say that again. We are responsible for keeping and increasing the anointing. How do we do that? The more we obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, the more the anointing will increase in our lives. So let's give these ladies a hand. This week, I want you to, would you put this scripture up, Alex, not this verse, just the, what I'm telling you. Can you write Romans 8, 1 through 17? I don't want the verse, the whole verse, just the, this is what I want you to read to this week. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. This will help you understand what we just talked about. Romans 8, verses 1 through 17. It's okay if you don't get it up, get it up whenever you can. Thank you for your help. I really appreciate it. I want to continue by saying, many times as Christians, we don't know anything about the anointing. 
and how it destroys jokes in people's lives. You see, I grew up in a Baptist church, and I learned the Bible stories and what salvation is all about. In fact, I became a Christian. And when I got saved, the pastor of the church was very wise. He took my excitement and he channeled it in, a, in an evangelism class. And the class was uh, Bill Bright, whose design he had the Four Spiritual Laws booklet. So when the class was over, they gave us these booklets and told us to go out and witness to people. I lived in a community of about 200 families. And I knew many of the people in the community, so I made that my mission field. So I get up in the morning, I walk around, and I would ask the Lord, okay, who do you want me to talk to today? And this particular day, I went to a house of a family that was three houses from where I live. I got to the door, I knocked on it. The man comes to the door. Now, he's not a stranger to me, and I knew him, and I knew his entire family. He opens the door and he says, what do you want? And I said to him, I want to talk to you about Jesus. While I'm standing there talking with him, the Lord does something. He opens my eyes and I'm able to see this vile, ugly spirit on this man. The spirit was so ugly that it frightened me. I was so scared that I'll be honest with you, I wanted to run, but I stayed. We're standing in the door of his house, and I'm talking to him about the Four Spiritual Laws booklet. And in this booklet, it has two circles. You can't see it, but in this booklet, it has two circles. One circle has an S, and one circle has a cross. And so in talking to him, I said, okay, which circle because that's what I asked him, but what circle best represents your life right now? And he points to the one with the S, because S means self is on the throne. So I asked him, which circle would you like to represent your life? And he paused. And he says, I can't get out of it. He says, I want to stop drinking, but I can't. You see, his spirit was crying out for help. His spirit man wanted, to, wanted help, he wanted to be free, but his flesh had him in captivity because his flesh was making decisions. How is it this morning? How is it that the flesh can control? The way it happens is because when we participate and continue to practice sin and we continue to practice sin over and over again, and we do it because it's enjoyable, we do it because it gives us a high. We do it because it makes us feel good. And before you know it, the sin is dictating our life. And we become, that becomes our way of life. We begin to think that's who we are. That's who I am. This is where I've always been. But it isn't. And a day of reckoning will come. The Bible says, be sure that your sins will find you out. But the Bible also says that the pleasures of sin is only for a season. Then it is over, leaving us bitter, leaving us broken, and eventually it's going to destroy us. 
you got to remember that we have a devil, and he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he, devour, he can devour. The Bible says that the thief comes but to steal, kill, and to do what? Destroy. When sin is dictating our life, that person needs deliverance. The yoke, when I say yoke, I'm talking about strongholds. The strongholds need to be broken. Sin can be a generational yoke, but it can still be broken. And it's the anointing that makes us victorious. It's the anointing that makes us more than conquerors. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke over my life and breaks the yokes over your life and breaks the yokes over lives of people who need to be delivered. We have many people to, that come and they come and worship. They come to a building to worship. But the sad part about it, they come, but they return home just the way they came. They never feel any difference. They never allow the Holy Spirit to speak to them. You see, we, we, we got to remember, it's not the programs or the fanfare that we see in the church. Those things can either attract us or distract us. We must understand that we are the church, that God is looking for us. It is the Lord's power that comes in our lives. We are the church that the Lord is coming back for. The Bible says that I'm coming for a church without a spot or wrinkle. We are that church. He is looking for us. If you're looking for a church this morning, get a mirror and put it in your face because we are that church. We're the church that God has empowered. We're the church that he has poured his anointing out on. We're the church that he's returning for. And I know that's hard for some of us to believe because we think the building is the church. But I beg the difference this morning. We are the church. We are that church that God is looking for. So I'm going to ask you a question that I think will help all of us. We've been talking about the anointing. The anointing breaks the yoke. So how do you activate the anointing in your life? How do you get it activated? And I want to tell you this morning, do what everybody else is doing. Come out of the closet. Come out of the closet. We cannot be closet Christians. Do what Christians are supposed to do. Read the Bible consistently. The word of God will convict us. The word of God will bring transformation to our soul. The Bible says that my sheep, we are God's sheep, will hear my voice and they will not follow another. The Bible says we need to memorize the word of God because the memorizing the word of God brings transformation in our lives. It brings transformation in our minds. We got to have a renewed mind. To live a Christian life, we got to think about God's word. We need to get a journal. Write down the scriptures that God has us to read and ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten those word, those, uh, his word to us so that we can have a better understanding of what he's saying. God can bring clarity on the word if we ask him. Amen? The Bible wants us to pray. God wants us to pray, to pray, to pray, to pray. Pray with understanding, but pray in the Spirit. Because when we pray in the Spirit, when we pray in the Holy Spirit, it empowers us to live a, a deeper and more Christian life. 
We can't do this on our own. We don't have the power, but we do have the anointing of God in our lives and we can use it. When we read the Bible, it would teach us how to pray. It would teach us how to pray God's word. And we'll know God's word. And one thing we've got to understand, sometimes people say, what, what does it mean when we pray in a miss? We can't pray God's word that's going to contradict his word in our prayer life. We can't expect God to contradict his word to answer our prayers. Let me give you an example. You going with some married man or some married woman and you want God to bless that, that's contradicting God's word. But you got to know the word in order to believe what God is telling, what you, in order to live it. The Lord will put people, every day we need to ask God. And these, these are bullets that I'm giving you on how to live, the, have the anointing in your life. We got to pray, read the scriptures, study, memorize the scriptures, get your journal, write them down, pray for understanding, pray, and pray, pray the scriptures. And then every day, ask God to help you to think about someone other than ourselves. The Lord will put people in our path to minister to. People need help. We have the answers. We have a hope that they don't have. The Bible says that if we lift him up from the earth, if we lift Jesus up from the earth, guess what he'll do? He says, I'll draw all men unto me. God wants us to be the church that he's coming back for. I'm going to close this message. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. And while they're coming, I'm going to ask you to look at that scripture again, Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Do we have the power? Yes, we do. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what we could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I want to say this morning, don't be ashamed to share your faith. Let us be bold in sharing the gospel. And sometimes we get caught up as to what we think boldness is. We think, I'm going to be bold, I'm going to be cocky and arrogant. I'm going to shout and debate with people. That's not boldness. That's arrogance. That's not what God wants. The Bible says that the Lord gave the disciple boldness. That was a divine empowerment of the Holy Spirit to speak the word of God without fear, but with courage, with grace, with love, with sincerity, and with conviction. You ought to have a testimony to give to somebody. You ought to have a testimony as to how God changed your life. When we, the church, when we, the church, point to yourself. When we, the church, point to yourself. The church, when we share our faith, we're going to experience a fresh anointing. People have problems. They need the Lord. And as the church, we have more than a broken system to offer them. We don't, we don't serve a God who's sitting in heaven biting his nails and thinking about how he's going to solve the next problem and what he's going to do. We serve a God that has all power in his hand. We serve a God that walks on the wings of the wind. We serve a God that says the flames of fire is his servant. 
We serve a God that says, I have all power. We serve a God that says, no good thing will I withhold from you if you walk uprightly. We serve a God that says, I won't leave you comfortless. I'm going to leave you with my Holy Spirit. We serve a God, he says to his church, I love you with an everlasting love. We serve a God that says, I will reward your faith. We serve a God that says, I promise you, I promise you, I'm going to work things out for your good and for my glory. Won't you stand this morning? I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask Pastor Dan to come up. I want to pray this morning. I'm going to pray that we will come out of the closet. We're going to say, we're going to do what everybody else has said, come out of the closet. We're not going to be closet Christians. We're going to pray, we're going to pray and ask God's divine presence to begin anointing us with a new, fresh anointing, a real fresh desire to talk to people about Jesus. And help us to understand that we are the church that God's coming back for. We are that church. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we love you. We bless you, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you for your kindness toward us. And we know, God, we don't even deserve it because you've been so good to us. But, Lord, we ask this morning that you would help us. Help us to be bold in sharing our faith. Help us not to be closet Christians. Help us to look for lives, Father, that you can speak into. Help us to look for people, God, that we can bring your kingdom from heaven. Help us to look for ways that we can bring your kingdom from heaven here on earth. We need you, Holy Spirit. We can't do this without you. We ask, God, that you just give us a fresh new baptism, a fresh new wind in our spirit so that we can be the people of God that you're coming back for. We can be that church. Forgive us of our transgressions. Forgive us of our sins and our unrighteousness. Help us to do what's right, Lord. Help us to do what's right. We bless your name and we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.